Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I am Catherine Miller. I am the founder of the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding and Conflict. And I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Anne Papayoti. She is a, a breakup coach and she's the founder of Skyview Coaching. She's an international life leadership and relationship coach, speaker, writer, educator, and co-author of The Gift of Shift an intimate self-help book and helps people rise above life's painful and challenging moments so that they can revive their life and thrive once more. Her credentials include multiple professional certifications, including certified professional coach, master energy leadership index practitioner, and neurolinguistics programming practitioner. Welcome, Anne Papayoti. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Catherine. It's a pleasure to be here. So what's the difference between a breakup coach and a divorce coach? Well, for me, it's not about having a different certification. It's really about the client having a different mindset and being at a different place in their journey. When someone's facing a separation or divorce, there's typically a lot of fear, anxiety, you know, maybe overwhelming emotion. But as you you and I both know, divorce is contractual. So when I'm working with someone through divorce, I work with them to separate their emotions from the business at hand so that they can make sound decisions for themselves and their children. But doing the business of divorce is not the same thing as breaking up with someone, which is the painful emotional trauma of heartbreak. So let's face it, just because marriage has ended, it doesn't mean that the love or maybe the anger or the obsession has ended. I've had a few people that maybe seven years post-divorce. I've even met another in a support group 20 years later where they actually sought support to actually deal with the law. So the difference is, if I'm understanding it correctly, is that a divorce coach is really dealing with the process of divorce and the breakup coach is really dealing with the pain of the breakup. I mean, I guess you could have a breakup coach and not be getting divorced, right? I mean, because the emotional piece is really separate, maybe intertwined with, but separate than the legal piece and the process piece. Absolutely. Emotions happening, of course, during the divorce process and the business of it, but we try to keep the emotion outside of the business decisions so that they can make those sound business decisions for themselves, their children, and their future. But long after they get the divorce settlement, often they haven't broken up with them in their mindset. So there's A lot of people will come back later, sometimes two years later, and say, this is still coming up for me. I can't get beyond it. I can't get past it. I'm still dealing with betrayal. I can't trust people moving forward. So ultimately, breakup coaching is for people who are ready to process their grief, their undealt with grief, and untangle kind of from their ex in whatever way they still feel entangled, heal their hearts and overcome whatever fear may be holding them back from moving forward in life. 
You know, I've heard it said that emotionally there is no such thing as divorce. What do you think about that? (laughs) That's an interesting concept. I think there's a lot of truth in that because the relationship doesn't end, does it? It just is redefined. And so there's still an emotional entanglement somehow, but we do have to redefine it in a healthy way. And with that comes children. When children are involved, in a divorce, often people are so caught up in their own emotional trauma and heartbreak that they can't see what's happening with their children because they're stuck in their own pain. And so there are four basic things I've learned that children really want from their parents after divorce, but they can't always get it because people haven't dealt with the emotional entanglement despite they've received their settlement. So I think what you're saying, Anne, is that People are so, and this is my experience also with oftentimes, that people can be parents getting divorced, can be so hijacked by the divorce process itself in their own emotions, their own anxiety, their own distraction, that they have difficulty seeing what's really going on for their kids during that period of time and have difficulty, therefore, really showing up in the best way to help their children through the divorce process as successfully as possible, which is kind of ironic because I think most of my clients, when they come, you know, really one of their major goals is to help their children through it as best they can. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're just so hurt by their own emotional trauma, they just can't see beyond their own pain to consider another's. They think they're considering their children's best interests. In a business way, they're always looking for that, and often that becomes one of the major conflicts in divorce, right, is they're often fighting about the children, custody, all these issues, and and who's paying for what when it comes to the children, but they're missing seeing their children's pain, and that can be a costly oversight in the form of anxiety and stress for their own children, and that can show up later in life for the kids in the form of anger and low self-esteem and and their own relationship issues. Well, let's not hold back. What are the four basic things that children of divorce want from their parents? Well, what I've learned is that they want their parents to coexist. And what I mean by that is they want their parents to be able to be in the same place at the same time for them and not against one another. So they want them to show up, show up for their concerts or their sporting events or whatever it is, to be there, both of them, for them, and not feel their stresses and not have to take on that burden. And who's trying to outdo whom? Be there for the child, in support of the child, and get along. That's one. Another is to communicate respectfully, like to just behave like grown-ups. And let the kids be the kids. And one thing that I've learned, you know, from a teen client recently is that that communicating respectfully includes, you know, communicate with your child in an age-appropriate manner, like asking them what they want. Let them be seen and heard. Include them in some decisions that involve them. But certainly when you're fighting about your child, (laughs) they really feel left out in their own life. That's one thing that they have clearly told me when I talk with kids. 
The third thing is cooperate in co-parenting. Children of divorce really want their parents to cooperate with one another in how they co-parent. And what I mean by that is they want them to support one another's relationship with the child. Your child's relationship with the other parent is separate from your relationship with your ex. Allow them that. Support it. I've had people not give them the phone, take things away, not allow them that because it's your time that they can't speak to the other parent. And that creates a lot of stress and anxiety and hiding and things that they pack away and carry later in life that's very difficult for them to deal with. The fourth basic thing that children have shared with me that they really want from their parents is for their parents to commit to their own healing. They want them to take responsibility for their own health and happiness. They want them to be happy. They want them to have fun. But kids are highly impacted by their parents' moods and their emotional struggles and their the way they show up socially and and the financial struggles that they don't hide and, and and all the burdens that are so overwhelming for them, their own stresses. And when kids feel like the parents can't take care of themselves, they certainly don't feel like the parents can take care of them. And that's a burden on children. So it really is yeah. the four C's, I guess, at the end of the day. Coexist, communicate respectfully, cooperate with one another for co-parenting, and commit to their own healing. I'm Catherine Miller, and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues here on WBLX 1460 AM in Westchester County every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30, and also available as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're here to bring you information and thoughtful dialogue that you need to divorce with dignity. If you've got any questions about family or divorce law issues in New York State, give us a call, 914-862-7487. And I'm talking today with Ann Papayoti. And we're talking about, she's the the founder of Skyview Coaching. We're talking about breakup coaching, divorce coaching, and helping your children through divorce. And and you've just said a lot about what children want, you know, going through divorce. And as I'm listening to you and my sort of experience of my own children who are children who went through divorce and um, Mm -hmm. my clients, I think the kids want to be able to move on with their own lives and focus on what kids should work for and focus on, which is their lives. You know, and of course they're yes. sad if their parents aren't living together, but they want to be living their lives as kids and, and they're a little self-centered, which is what they're supposed to be. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, they don't want to be distracted Absolutely. from that. And, you know, and when parents drag them into their own, whatever it is, you know, whatever it is, that that's stressful anxiety-provoking, and incredibly disruptive. What do you think about that? Absolutely. They do not want to be put in the middle. They do want to be treated as an individual. They want to have their own life, and they don't want to have to quit living their life and being in the whatever activities they're in. They have to be somewhere else because that's the way the custody agreement is set up. That creates resentment. And that creates yeah. a broken, that breaks bonds. And so, again, making them the priority. They want to be the priority in each parent's life. Parents speak it, but what are their actions showing the children uh, is what they're looking for at the end of the day. And they don't want to be put in the middle. And they say, God, I've had kids say to me, I wish my parents could feel what it's like to be in the middle. 
wish they could feel it yeah. and then maybe they'd stop doing it and whatever that means, whether it's communication or the tug of war, the not being able to, to work the job you want or be on the team you want, play the sport you want because of some kind of arrangement that's in the parent's best interest rather than the child. What do you think about it? I mean, sometimes kids are really, really anxious to be fair. You know, and they're looking at, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, mom and dad both have equal time with me and I'm dividing things up equally so that they're, that, you know, it feels like it's fair. And other times kids are like, leave me alone. I don't want to be disturbed. I don't want to go anywhere. I want to stay home, whichever parent is staying in the, in the home that they are used to. And I don't ever, you know, maybe I'll go to dinner. And it's a kind of tension between the life of the child and what he or she feels would be most comfortable and a sense of relationship with, with, with both parents. And, and how do you advise parents to deal with that tension? This is uh, when and recently I was having a conversation with a teenager who is exactly as you're describing. She so wants to be fair, but she's miserable visiting one of her parents because of the type of conversations and the forced feeling of the type of visitations and the activities. And so really it gets down to having a conversation is what I find. And for me it was about empowering her to be able to find her voice and speak up. And this goes back to number two on those four basic things, is to communicate respectfully. I think in this case you're asking me what the parent needs to do. I think the parent has to find their voice and speak what they need. What do they need from the child? Because when it's just about time and the child is choosing the Xbox (laughs) over whatever the parent's wanting to do, maybe we haven't found exactly what it is that's really going to be the right thing for the two of them together. So communication, spending time together talking, so you can find what it is rather than this forced have to do this versus do that. I think it's the key to finding the right balance. So I think what you're saying is that, that parents should be patient and they should engage their children, obviously, if, if, once they reach a certain age and, and dialogue about what works and what doesn't work. And it shouldn't be, I'm guessing, that what you're saying is saying, you know what, I'm your parent and I deserve to spend time with you. I have a right to spend time with you. Those aren't the kinds of things that are particularly helpful. Is that right? Exactly. That becomes that forced feeling and that kids, when they feel forced, it's like a negative energy already. And then I'm doing it because I have to. There's obligation. And whether there's one child in a maybe in a sibling unit that's going and one is doing it because they feel sorry for the parent and the other one's doing it catabolically, I have to do it, or I'm trying to prevent a blow-up somewhere. But why won't anybody listen to me? And so what I what I find in those scenarios is that nobody's really just sitting and talking and getting to know one another. And let's figure it out. Maybe less time but better quality time is the answer. Instead of forcing it every weekend from, you know, I pick you up from school and I have you to this time and to this time. And fitting this thing in this formula just doesn't work for everybody. What if we did this instead? What works for you? What do you want? Why do you want it that way? And understanding the motivation behind it. 
rather than trying to fit everybody into a structure in a box. So get creative. So, Anne Papiotti, how did you get into this work? I think like a lot of people, perhaps including yourself, it was a combination of personal and professional experience combined with a passion to serve. So I went through my own divorce about 25 years ago, and I was a participant in a support group. And at the time, I worked for a Fortune 100 company, and I was in the training and facilitation department. And I was asked to take over leading the support group along with another individual, perhaps because of my skill set in training consultation. I certainly wasn't fully healed, but they encouraged me, and I learned that you can't help but help yourself when you're helping others. (laughs) Along the way, I found that people were asking for one-on-one time with me. And after years of, of trying to accommodate but not feeling adequately equipped or qualified, life opened up the opportunity for me to go to school and become a coach and serve as I was being called. So here I am. That's a great story. I'm Catherine Miller, and this is Divorce Dialogues. We're available as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and here on WBOX every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30. And I'm talking to Ann Papayoti about divorce coaching and helping your children through the divorce and if people are interested in learning more about you and what you do, Anne, and I want to talk about your book in a minute, where can they learn more about you and get a copy of your book, The Gift of Shift, which you're about to hear more about? Absolutely. They can go to my website, skyviewcoaching.com, or find me on social media, on Facebook, Skyview Coaching, or by my name, Anne Papiotti, no E on Anne, on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Twitter. And the gift of shift, discover the key within to unlock your best life, is available from all major online booksellers, including Amazon, and it's especially boutiques. Tell us about the book. What led you to write it? Who's it for? And how can it help? Fantastic. Great. It's co-authored with my friend and colleague, Tracy McDonald, and it's a collection of 12 short personal and sometimes quite intimate stories, and each is followed by a guided journal for the reader to to reflect on the common life theme that's revealed in each chapter. And things include topics like grief, gratitude, and betrayal to becoming your own best friend. And after divorce, it's probably a a great little read because each chapter is is short and gives the the reader the opportunity for that self-reflection. And my chapters particularly uh, follow my life, which the betrayal chapter is about having a best friend who who deliberately went after my boyfriend, who was the person I thought I was going to marry. So I lost both my best friends, and I lost them to one another. There's a chapter about having the courage to leave my marriage, which was an abusive marriage. There's a chapter about hope. There's a chapter about, you know, those little things that marriages break up over. It's really about my second marriage, my current marriage, I should say, uh, which can be those irreconcilable differences. I better throw that in or my husband's going to divorce me. But irreconcilable differences if we let them build up, that learning how to be true to you and know your values and and how to stand true in those. Lots of of different things in life, and it's just great for the person who likes to to engage in self-help and personal development and take that journey. But the book is designed to help you remember a time where you had a strength to get through something and you can use that now to get through something else or to recognize where you're still stuck in a story in your life 
and use the guided journaling part to help you move through that at this point in your life. You know, I'm really curious and, and struck by the words gratitude and grief. Uh, I think that yeah. there there is a lot of grief, obviously, that comes with divorce, whether or not you're the one who chooses it or not. No one walks down the aisle thinking, I'm going to divorce this person, you know, whenever exactly. that happens. Mm-hmm. But there's also the possibility. It doesn't have, it's not all black and white and that there can be gratitude for the relationship, for the children, for the learning process. Talk more about that and what is your thought about that? My thought is that every time we lose something, we gain something else. There's a gift in it. We just have to be willing to open it and we're not always ready to open it or we can't see it yet. It's not immediate. But we absolutely always gain something. You know, and I think about, you know, people feel broken. But then I also look at I'm fascinated by stained glass windows, by the way. So I'm if you look at a stained glass window and you just really look at it, you realize it's made from broken pieces of glass. So look what is created from the brokenness. It's something beautiful and magnificent later. So we always gain something if we're willing to notice it and to pay attention to it. So I feel like it is a mind shift, and that's why the title of the book, The Gift of Shift, There's once we're able to look up from the depths of our grief and our loss and the darkness in life, the light will shine through on something else. But we have to kind of let go. I think the lesson's always in letting go, Catherine. No matter what it is, the lesson's always been letting go. Well, it's interesting that you say that because what I really want to ask you about is, you know, we've used, also used the word betrayal. And imagine mm. there's a listener thinking, you know, this big betrayal happened to me, and I don't know how to shift from that, whether or not it's a sexual infidelity or financial infidelity or mm-hmm. some other kind of betrayal. What would you say to that person about making that shift and what and how to do that? First of all, I would say that betrayal is one of the, the the greatest hurts we can go through as a human. So I want to validate that experience for them. And I would encourage them to first process that emotion because it is pain and it is emotional trauma. And we've got to acknowledge it and validate it. Don't minimize that. Betrayal hurts. So we got to get through that and move through that and get to the other side. And there is another side. But after betrayal, you have to recognize, first and foremost, that anything anyone else says or does is about them. It was never about you. It wasn't that you weren't good enough, pretty enough, smart enough, skinny enough, talented enough, strong enough, whatever it was. This was about them. So when I'm leading a support group for separation and divorce, one thing I always do is the anatomy of an affair because I want people to learn and understand infidelity, whether it is sexual or financial or otherwise. I want them to understand that it's about the other person and how it happened and how we're all vulnerable in some level for an affair because it's about emotional need. And when they can understand it, it, they can move to the point of being able to choose to let it go because then it becomes choice. And once they do, people then ask me the next question, how will I ever trust again? And then I say it's not about trusting others. It's about learning to trust yourself. 
And that is the next big thing. And that takes confidence, knowing who you are, getting reacquainted with you, because often we've lost ourselves anyway. In our previous relationships, we've given ourselves away. We've at least lost connection with who we are. So if somebody's out there listening to us and thinking, you know, my marriage is over, it's too broken to fix it, what would what would be your advice as their best first steps? Best first steps, I would say, is to seek guidance, is to go speak with someone, a professional, either a coach, a therapist, or even a divorce attorney, because a lot of times we can't see our own situation. It's like you can't see the forest for the trees. And really find someone to talk it through first so you can get clarity on where you're at, what you're feeling, and what the best first step is, because it's often not what it appears to be. And would you advise a coach versus a therapist? I think a coach is a great place to start because they, because a therapist implies that there's something wrong with you. And a coach is a guide. A coach is sitting up in the tree looking down at the, or up in the press box is a better way, looking down at the field and how you play the game of life. And they can say, well, what if you go around to the left? And what would be different if you took two steps to the right? It's a great place to start, I believe. Great. Anne Papiotti, thank you so much for being our guest on Divorce Dialogue. Thank you, Catherine. I appreciate the opportunity.